You know, I know we're about to talk about all things Academy Award, but would you believe I went and accidentally bought myself concert tickets for Oscar night? Oh no. <laughs> What's the concert? The concert is Hooray for the Riff Raff. And I do really want to go. So I think what I'm going to just have to do is like not look at my phone while I'm at the show, record the show, and then just come home and basically have a really long night. Yeah, stay off of the internet. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I believe in you. I think you can do it. I, I'm, I'm sure I could do it. Like, I'm still going to be home by like 11. The show's probably going to be like just wrapping up. If I like, you know, I can skip through commercials and all that thing. I'll get it done in like two and a half hours. Welcome to wherever you are. My name is Ryan McNeil in Toronto, Canada. You are listening to episode 321 of the Matinee Cast. It's the movie loving podcast of the Matinee.ca, your home for cinematic passion and perspective. Oscar time is here, folks. Seemingly endless award chatter that began all the way back in Cannes, or even Sundance in a few cases, has finally separated the contenders from the pretenders. You have your Barbies and your Heimers, your Zones of Fall and your Anatomies of Interest. You have several surprises and many completely predictable outcomes. And if you weren't keeping up with film this year, you are given a really lovely roadmap to navigate. It's a road trip that I like to take this time of year, but of course I cannot take this road trip alone. I need someone to share the driving, to split the gas money, to jockey the playlist and dole out the snacks. And when it comes to the Oscar road trip, there is only one name I trust. You know her, you love her. She's a really big deal, and she's here today. She writes on RogerEbert.com, on IndieWire. She has her own Substack that I highly recommend, and she's an often guest on Film Spotting, direct from the Windy City. Mariah E. Gates is joining us. How are you, Mariah? I'm good. This is our like 10,000th version of this podcast. I, feel I, like. I, know, I still don't know why you waste time with my ass, but I am so thankful that you do. On episode 321, we are going to be discussing the nominees for the 96th Annual Academy Awards. In case you are new here, um, we do this because both Mariah and I are less interested in who wins than in the larger class of nominees. The nominations create a snapshot, a tapestry, for better or for worse, of the year in film. And it's much much more interesting than who wins, who doesn't, and why. There will be breaks, please take them. Um, this tends to be one of the longer episodes of the year. But finally, the music that you are already hearing in this show and will hear as it goes along, um, it may sound a little bit different to you if you're not new here. Um, it is selections from the works that were nominated for Best Original Score for the 96th Annual Oscar nominations. Uh, we will be talking about the big eight categories, writing, directing, acting and picture across these slots there are 14 films uh, represented there is a lot of repetition mariah were there any in these categories that you hadn't seen i gotta believe the answer is no, no i saw all i saw all of these yeah it was i mean um, there, again there's a lot of repetition and a lot of these are right in your wheelhouse right uh, oh you had to yeah, chase a few technically no i saw them all i don't know what you mean by wheelhouse I don't, I'm not a big fan of most of these movies, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just word for a great time. <laughs> this was a year of uh, everything that I thought was like stellar really didn't. Uh, well, we. I mean, um, we'll talk about that too because <laughs> there's there, there's some missing pieces here, and and there there is there a reason. I do think it is. I like that you call it a snapshot. I do think it's a snapshot of what had staying power and that is as you said not always the same thing as what is the great films of the year because the oscars you know are like a filtering of so many people's opinions oh totally and by the time you get to a place where you have a consensus the odds are the truly great things and the truly you know genre shattering things 
whatever aren't going to come to the, they're not going to no. stick. That's what's fascinating. It is. It really, it really is. Like, I mean, I think this is our 13th over 15 years. And we've said it before. There's a lot, a lot of times, probably possibly even more often than not, Oscar gets it wrong. You know, whether it's in the nominations or whether it's in the trophies that they hand out, they're not exactly great for choosing the stuff that is the best if we were wanting to go there. But um, it's funny that you say it that way, because I was thinking that with picture, there's 10 films in picture and there's one that I would toss out. And except for that one, the other nine, I really think makes up a really good class of nominees. Like, you know, and Mariah shaking her head. All right. Mercifully, we get to picture at the end. So let us start with the writing. Um, so in adapted screenplay. So for best adapted screenplay, we have the screenplay for American Fiction written by Cord Jefferson. The screenplay for Barbie written by Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach. The screenplay for Oppenheimer by Christopher Nolan, Poor Things by Tony McNamara, and The Zone of Interest by Jonathan Glazier. Let's start with Glazier. I heard people early on, like coming out of Cannes, were starting to talk about how he was going to be like part of all of this. And I really had a hard time believing that because he makes films that are really opaque. You know, he makes <laughs> he makes films that are generally an ask. Um, now, Zone of Interest is not one of those. Joe's Zone of Interest is rather accessible and actually rather unique. Um, what do you think of Glazier showing up in this and Zone of Interest? I think it's really fascinating because if if you're familiar with the story, um, he basically took aspects of the premise of the novel and throughout like ninety percent of the novel. And I love that as a nomination. I love that's a true adaptation of like, mm-hmm. I saw, I saw a kernel of something that's interesting in this book. I'm making a movie out of it as yeah. opposed to a literal, like I'm going to just take the page and put it on the screen, which can often be pretty boring. Yeah. Um, I think it's a fascinating way of crafting cinema. Yeah. And um, kind of reminds me of the English patient. I don't know if you've ever read the Very. English patient book, but the yes. English patient book and the English patient movie are like, Very it's different. maybe, it's maybe 25% of the book in the yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, and I love, I love the book and the movie. So I, I love, I love it when something like that pops up where it's, it's a true adaptation of taking a tidbit of one art and turning it into another art. Yeah. And that's, and I love seeing that, that recognized. We'll talk about Glazier again uh, during uh, direction. Poor things, Tony McNamara. I've never asked you your, I, I didn't catch up with what you thought about poor things. I, My feeling really is you either love that. it or you hate it. No, I really didn't like this movie. <laughs> of course. I, no, it's this movie's not for me. It was not made for me. I was like, I'm just going to accept that. Okay. Um, <laughs> we'll unfortunately have to skip past that a few more times. Um, Oppenheimer, of course, is all over this, and Christopher Nolan is the writer. Um, I mean, Oppenheimer's name is going to be called a lot on Oscar night. I don't think screenplay is going to be one of them. If it If it wins screenplay, just go to bed. Because yeah, the night, the night is everything. over. Yeah. yeah. I, this is another one that I um, was shocked I liked because I'm usually kind of lukewarm with Nolan. Sure. Um, to outright hate. Like, I really did not like Dunkirk. And, but Oppenheimer, I really enjoyed. And I think he did a really interesting, again, that's another one where you take the nuggets of things. Mm-hmm. It's nonfiction. He took this nonfiction biography and made this, like, postmodern sort of uh, deconstructed um, structure. Yeah. Or deconstructed structure does not make sense. To me, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it, he structured the screenplay like an atom, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is fascinating. And so it's another one where um, the craft 
of taking the nuggets from the source and turning it into something as pure cinema is really strong. Yeah, it's it, you know he's he's very good at what he does. He's very good at taking very typical stories and finding an atypical way to tell them. Yeah, um, you know, and sometimes it's funny because sometimes he actually even goes too far with that, and it just it doesn't work. But I'm like, keep trying. American fiction, Cord Jefferson. I you know, like I I love that American fiction is represented. I really do. At the same time, I'm really amused and thinking to myself, is this kind of missing part of the point of American fiction? that we are lauding it as much as we are. I love that it's based on a book by Percival Everett. So not an author that I've actually read, but an author that's on my like perpetual, I should have read. Um, yeah. I, I just, I want to say, this, this American fiction premiered at TIFF, and I want to say maybe two months earlier, uh, the only thing I've managed to read all year, practically last year, was um, this magazine called Alta. One, one um, issue of it had a, feature on Everett and his writing style. And um, another one was like a piece written by Everett. And he's similarly to like zone of interest. He's very like playful with the structure. Okay. And um, he's like, he's basically a postmodern writer. Yeah. Um, which unfortunately like American fiction, I feel like the film is probably like a very watered down version of what Everett does as an author part of the reason i haven't read any of them yet is i know i'm gonna have to like use a lot of brain cells for his yeah. books they're very like his, the character in american fiction that Wright plays is quasi based on everett okay so like the kind of postmodern fiction that he writes that is no one wants to publish it like literally personal everett his publisher was this like dinky publisher. Okay. And then with the success of American fiction, his, I don't know if it's his newest book or if it's a reprint, but um, like Knopf is putting out one of his books now. Well, so, I mean, like, his the whole, the whole concept within yeah. American is like playing out through <laughs> the nomination. And so your point is kind of, like kind of like, what? Like, it's almost <laughs> like what's happening with this movie is what he wrote was happening, which is the kind of stuff he would write. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. like layers upon layers upon layers of it. So kind of, I kind of love that this got nominated and everything is happening. And I hope Purcell Everett gets a lot of money because he's clearly a very craft oriented writer who writes to write, not writes for readers, even though he hopes readers will read it. Well, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to his next novel comes out in March and it's called James and it's Huck Finn yeah. written from Jim's point of view. So I'm, yeah. and I just finished reading Huck Finn. He had one called Telephone. That's the one I really want to read. But Telephone it was printed. There's three different versions of it. And each version is slightly different. Oh, wow. That's amazing. <laughs> and you don't know what you're going to okay, get. Okay, I, I, I can't wait. I got to read I gotta read so much more by this guy. I love it. <laughs> I love, and then, yeah. of course, we have Barbie in this category, which I feel is its best place to uh, reward Greta and Noah. Uh, I can't recall. Has Noah won before? I want to say no. No, I think he was nominated for the Squid and the Whale, but I don't. And Marriage Story, and marriage too. Story, but I don't think he won for either. So. Yeah. It was it was kind of wild because when the Academy announced that the, um, the, the script was going to have to go into Best Adapted Screenplay because it's based on an existing property, which is to mean it's based on some, something that exists, which makes it's no sense. It's based on the lore. I don't know why anyone ever had it as an original screenplay. It was always Is there lore the- though? Like yeah, you, you make it lore. sound like the Lord of the Rings. There's literally a book of like is there? there is yeah, it's like wow. a, there's like not a book we could buy but like the no. Barbie 
the Barbie makers have like here is Barbie and Ken. Oh, okay, stories. and like things they can and, and can't so, do. Yeah, and so oh, okay. they create new Barbie lines and stuff like that. Like they have to reference, kind of like how sitcoms have like the sitcom bible. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. kind of follow when you're bringing yeah, on yeah. the writer. Like Bar- Barbie's one of those IPs that has like a strict guideline. And so gotcha. when they were working on this, they were given a ton of internal history, both history of the product and history of you know, like Barbie's quote unquote biography throughout sure, the decade. Sure. So like it was based on existing character material. And I oh. don't know, they talked about that in screenplay. So Warner brothers trying to run it as an original screenplay. There's no way their awards. People didn't know that it was always going to end up being adapted. And right. they probably did it to get the headlines. Maybe, my, I cynical, mean, my cynical brain is saying they did it to get that headlines to get people upset so that they this is now an underdog and now everyone's going to vote for it this, even this though is, it's a strong screenplay on its own yeah yeah this is you and me disagreeing on how smart warner brothers is and is not yeah. we'll come back to that in a minute three or four weeks ago this category would have been a dog fight i kind of feel like this is now Greta's I, yeah, to I, lose. I agree. and so noah's on his third Screenplay nomination. Greta, I believe, is also on her third because she had a Lady Bird and Little Women nomination, yeah. didn't she? So yeah. they're both on their third nomination. Third so time's like, a charm. Neither of them have won. It's yeah, it's time. It's time. It's time. Uh, over in original screenplay, uh, we have Anatomy of a Fall by Justine Trier, The Holdovers by David Hemmingson, Maestro by Bradley Cooper and Josh Singer, May December by Sammy Birch, and Past Lives by Celine Song. Anatomy of a Fall, that was kind of one of the really big winners of yeah. nomination morning. Um, I, the, the nomination is not only Justin Trier, it's Justin Trier and Arthur Hararai. The screenplay is like impeccable. I feel like it's probably the the front runner on this category. It's it's definitely the most complex screenplay. As yeah. most twists. It's, it's structurally fascinating. It's probably the most inventive of the ones in terms mm-hmm. of how, how it, the story it's amazing because it's, it's a movie it's yeah it's, it's a french movie like from france french movie that is also in english and i think there's parts of it in german too no a little bit in german yeah, yeah. a lot of it's in english it's not just that, that some of it's in english like there's a big clip that's about like 40 percent. i feel yeah like, 45% um, at least. yeah, yeah. That, that, that's in english um Justine Trier as well. This is one of those things where I've always said, and you've always said that screenplay is one of those categories where they like to award directors who aren't necessarily going to win best director. And while I'm sure nothing would make both you and I happier than to see Justine Trier winning best uh, director, I don't think that I can manifest that. (laughs) Um, So this I feel is, you know, this, this is, this is the moment where they can, where they can reward the really um, great showing and great achievement of Anatomy of a Fall. Yeah, and, and Trey's vision overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Holdovers, yeah. David Hemmingson. Um, I mean, this is, it's a, how did you come down on Holdovers? This strikes I me like as another. Holdovers, which like this I, was, one. Okay. I was surprised I liked it because I actually don't care for 70s films usually. And this is such an homage to that era. Yeah. But somehow it worked for me. It was just like very warm and charming. You know how that big on Hal Ashby? That, that strikes me as your kind of jam. I know I do like Hal Ashby. Oh, okay. Hal Ashby's like the one of the few filmmakers. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, gotcha. But I and yeah, I think that part of it is it has a bit of that Hal Ashby humor to it. Um, I actually usually like Alexander Payne. He has that kind of mordant humor that he has in his films that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and Paul Giamatti, like it's hard. Like anyone else, 
saying a lot of what that character was saying, you would be like, this guy's a piece of shit. Get him out of here. Yeah, I don't like yeah. it. He, he brings that just that little bit of charm to this ir- irascible, acidic, like dialogue that it's so well written, but it, in the wrong actor, mm-hmm. it wouldn't work. He, you know what I mean? He gives it pathos. Yeah. You know, like just even in his posture, in, the, in yeah. the way he like hangs his face, he gives it like he doesn't look that schlubby. When you see him like doing an interview for Vanity Fair, or you see him doing like the Actors Roundtable, I mean, he's a very workaday actor. He's not going to be, you know, setting he red carpets to, on he fire. In and out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I did see that. That was fantastic. I'm going to put a picture there of that in the, in the show notes. Please look for yeah. that for him with his golden globe, eating a burger in a diner. Okay. It was great. Um, he's playing okay. out a scene from sideways. It's magnificent. Um, yeah, no, I love the screenplay from the holdovers. Um, you know, in another year, I mean, I was going to say it could win um, because it is a beloved script. It's, it's, it's kind of a safe script. Um, but it, it certainly, it has the, the weight and, and the presence and all these other categories that it could win. So then we have Maestro by Bradley Cooper and Josh Singer. And man, it's, it you know, there are some things in life you can count on. It's really good to see that the Netflix nomination machine is still running because they, they really wanted one, to get, they really wanted to get this, this one, one in one there. An original script is original because he had so many sources, like, and is that why it's terrible? Because he didn't, <laughs> to one, he didn't like, read any book on him. Like, he just made it all up. Like, it's just bad. Watch some YouTube <laughs> clips and write a script. Uh, but good work, Netflix. Everybody, oh, everybody man. take a day. Um, Do you know that Bradley Cooper has like, I don't know, 11 Oscar nominations He's got a bananas amount. Steve Buscemi has yet to be nominated. Yeah. It's it's like he's, he's had this wild little moment for the last six or seven years. Like three times as many nominations as David Lynch has ever gotten. Yeah. Yeah. What? It's, this yeah. Is, listeners, this is where you know that it's not a barometer of what is actually good it is a barometer of like lowest common denominator gets the most nominations or the most uh, consensus kind of thing that Bradley Cooper has three times the amount of Oscar nominations as David Lynch. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes, you know, sometimes in just, the history of cinema, people are going to always be watching the David Lynch movies. He's probably really good at schmoozing. That's probably what it is. Oh, you know, he sure goes to those Oscar sure. lunches. He's probably the most he popular person in the room. Smile, yeah. Know, he, he looks like a nice guy. He can speak five languages, which means he can schmooze everybody in every language. Like okay. I get it. Yeah. I yeah. So good work, Bradley Cooper, but please, you know, try, tr- please try harder next time. Um, here, I here is the one of the very few, if not the only, uh, appearance of May December. I think this, it's the sole appearance. Yeah, yeah um, which I mean, for a long time, was looking like it could make a whole lot more noise uh, with direction. With other, this is where the Netflix that. machine died, yeah. or how you can see how one film gets more of the more awards the budget than the other. Yeah. Yeah, so um, it's That's what happened here, which is a bummer. Yeah, one was more of a lock, and so they put the money into that one, and then, you know, it happens. Which May is December, like Todd Haynes has never like Carol. I think is the only one of his films that have gotten multiple nominations because his movies are very strange. They are, but I feel like, it's like they're not that strange. You I really thought like, this not... one would be the one that would like overcome that but we've got a whole bunch of jonathan glazier nominations and we got one little thing for todd haynes i know <laughs> my goodness it's not you know it's 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 I'm not happy for i'm happy for sammy birch because it means you know she'll at least get a couple more scripts sold and speaking of somebody who has 
multiple nominations? No, because she's not a producer. But here's where Celine Song shows up with Past Lives, um, which was my favorite film of the last year. Um, in a, you know, in a, in another year, this is Ella another Canadian. one. Is she Canadian? Yeah, she's Canadian. Oh, I that's didn't the, realize. That's in the film, she they they immigrate to Canada. Yeah, I remember, yeah, I remember that, but I didn't I didn't Celine's catch it. Celine is ah, very good, very good. Well, if she wins, we'll have a parade. Um, <laughs> I, I I loved I loved the past lives wasn't forgotten because yeah, I, I saw this at Sundance. It's a long fourteen months from one Sundance to the next. I actually Oscars. saw Celine Song at three different film festivals. I did not talk oh, to goodness. her at Sundance, but I saw her there. She came to the Chicago Critics Film Festival and I interviewed her. She's fantastic. We talked about Grizzly Bear because um, the two guys from Grizzly Bear did the score. And um, then at Carla Vivari in the Czech Republic, she was there and they ran into her at a brunch and she was like, I thought that was you, but like, aren't you from Chicago? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I'm here in the Czech Republic. Nice to see you. Oh, that's so sweet. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I love her storytelling. This is her debut. This is her feature debut. Yeah. It's incredible to get some to get so much love on your feature debut. Um, you know, I can't wait to watch um, more stories told by her. Like, hear more scripts told by her. Um, I, I love I love this movie so much. I gushed about it on on a whole episode about it. I gushed about it again on the year end episode. I was just really happy to see it make so much noise on Oscar morning because I really thought it was going to be that kind of like really great indie movies, midsummer movie that just got forgotten come away. It's kind of like After Sun where I, After Sun only showed up in screen in no it didn't even get screenplay. It just got the actor, right? Yeah. Nomination. Yeah. And I I was afraid that that was gonna happen with this and like it wouldn't get you know, it wouldn't and get yet. a bunch of and if, you can see that Here Slim Bob yeah. was in there too. Was yeah. Love it. All right, there we go. Those, that's the uh, writing uh, nominations. We are going to take a very quick break right now, and we'll come back and talk about a lot of acting right after this. All right, we are back. We're going to talk about the actors. Um, we are going to start with Best Supporting Actress. We have Emily Blunt for Oppenheimer. We have Danielle Brooks for The Color Purple. America Ferreira shows up for Barbie. Um, Jodie Foster for Nyad. And Davine Joy Randolph for The Holdovers. Uh, Emily Blunt, I think everybody expected her to uh, land this nomination for Oppenheimer. Is this the first time she's being nominated? Yeah, it's her first. I'm going to pretend that it's for The Devil Wears Prada. Oh, I like this game. You, you do the, you do this game all the time. I've done it before, and she absolutely deserved it for The Devil Wears Prada. I think a better performance. So Yeah, I, I mean, she does the most with what she's given in Oppenheimer, but she's not really given a ton no. um, in the in the face of all, all the boys. She does um, a lot of capital A acting. Which yes. is why it finally went over the, the, the hoop here. But Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, but um, welcome, Emily Blunt. You've you've done all kinds of great things, and it's glad that you can finally add well, this little... And now she will always be Oscar nominee. Nominee, Emily, Emily Blunt. Blunt, exactly. Yeah. Danielle Brooks in The Color Purple. This is the second time that somebody has played Sophia and been nominated for that character, so that's cool. Danielle Brooks, people may know her best um, as Tasty from... Um, Orange yeah. is the new black. You know, here's where I think Warner Brothers did not do their job. 
uh, because that film seemed like it was like I feel like they didn't believe from the, that film at all. No, By the end, they no, they, they, they held it back from critics. They like barely marketed it. They put out that god awful poster. Yep. Um, you know, there's so many great performances in it. The and, music is she, fantastic. She really is the the standout. Like she knows this character. She played this character on broad, on Broadway and yeah. was Emmy nominated or Grammy nominated. Tony, Grammy? Tony, oh, Tony nominated. I went to all these <laughs> things. She was Tony nominated. Um, you could tell she like almost wasn't acting. She just was this character because she knows it so well because she's done it on Broadway yeah. so many times. That there are you never see decisions. You never just just she just is this character, and it's, yeah. it's really a thrilling performance. And quite frankly, if Divine Joy Randolph wasn't also nominated, I would say Danielle Brooks would win this in a walk. The only time I saw Danielle acting is when she first shows up and she's marching to up to yeah. the house. I'm like, yeah, that march a little bit. That march is very like I mean, that, like a, yeah. she watched Oprah in the '85 movie. <laughs> studiously and got yeah. every last yeah. gesture and i was like love it that's exactly the movie i want to say for readers if maybe you, or listeners if you've only watched it once to see it twice because i actually i saw it twice i saw it i rewatched the spielberg color purple and i saw then i saw this yeah and i was like oh it's fine but i had the spielberg kind of in the back of my head it's so rich if you yeah. just take it on its own as it's new as a new iteration it's a really really well-made movie and it's a shame that it doesn't have more um america ferrera i mean people are making the joke I, that she's here for one speech it is i the minute i saw that movie i think that speech is stupid as all get out but <laughs> the minute i was like everyone was crying and right. clapping and cheering i was like she I don't know why the Oscar prognosticators aren't expecting this. It's, is it a speech that's going to get critic nominations? No. Is it a speech that's going to get the Oscar voters? Absolutely. Right. That was like engineered for Oscar voters. Yeah. And I mean, there's I, no way she wasn't going to get this nomination. I don't know how anyone was shocked. I was. Uh, I, this I was mean, like my number one. Like, I mean, it, it was, I would say it was surprising, not shocking. You know what I mean? Like, it, it didn't make me, like, sit up and go, what? It was certainly more surprising in light of what else is to come. Um, yeah. But I'm I'm thrilled for her. I love her acting. Um, people, you know, I, like, if I, mean, playing, I love Ugly Betty, so I hope it gets people to go back and watch Ugly Betty. I love sure. her. I love her in Superstore. Um, I, I, you know, if we're playing your game, I'm going to imagine that she's here for All the Women Have Curves. Mm-hmm. Okay. Welcome back, Jodie Foster. She gets nominated yeah. for Nyad. Here's Netflix again. This is not a complicated movie. It is exactly what you think it's going to be. But uh, we'll come back to this in the Best Actress category. Jodie Foster and Annette Benning are just out there taking no it's prisoners so and showing good. you why they are legends. I saw this at the world premiere in, in Toronto, and I was like, Jodie Foster's getting Oscar nominated for this. Mm-hmm. Like... I wasn't sure about Nanette Benning, like, because it was a strong year for lead actress, but I was like, I was certain because she's so natural and so, like, it's almost joyous yeah. seeing her. Like, she feels joyous on there. And I think part of it is she only, you know, she only came out 10 years ago, right? And this is one of the first times that she's really gotten to play a queer woman as a queer woman. Hmm who has been in the closet for so long. And I feel like she got to 
really express herself fully in a way that I don't know that we've ever really seen. Like we've seen her perform brilliantly. Obviously Clary Starling is like an iconic performance, but you know, there's certain parts of herself that I feel like haven't ever gotten to completely be out. Yeah. In there and out for lack of a better word. And I think <laughs> you really see it in this movie. You see her being 100% her. And I, I really love that in this movie. And I love, I love that she gets to play an older queer woman too, because yeah. there's a very specific like type of older white lesbian right. that she clearly is friends with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah. is yeah. that she gets to kind of tap into that. Yeah. And you don't always see it done well. No. And I think you really, she feels so lived in in this film. I, I think what I love most about this performance is like, she's clearly the acting. <laughs> yes. The glasses are epic. But what I love is at the end of the movie, we meet the actual Bonnie and yeah. it's like, Oh, you really nailed yeah. <laughs> this this person's yeah. persona. And the thing is, at the same time, it just seems so naturalistic. Like it just seems like Jodie Foster being a little bit more caffeinated than we tend to see her. Like she's she's very gruff these days. Like I when I think of jo- a Jodie Foster performance, I think of what she's doing now on True Detective. Um yeah. as very, very typical of where she is at this point in her career. But this is very bright and energetic um very million dollar smile like you said like those oakley sunglasses that are her frames and i'm like on the one hand this is not what i associate with jodie foster but on the other hand i'm like no that's absolutely jodie foster so it's 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 great that she was able to blend all that together into this little pot of awesome uh and then we have davine joy randolph um Holy shit, this woman. Uh, I don't think there's anything she I mean, can't do. She absolutely should have been nominated for Dolomite is my name. And the fact that that yes. didn't happen is like forever going to irk me. Um, I worked on that movie, full disclosure, and I will always be. That will be my biggest like anger point. Yep. She absolutely deserved it then. She deserves it now. And this is not one of those I'm going to play the game of pretend it's for that other performance because they're both great performances. And she, she should be two, she should be a two-time nominee right now. She and should. Quite frankly, like the fact that this is her first is bullshit, but I think she'll win it. I think she should win it. I think she should get every role ever. She was the only good thing on the idol. Her and Rachel Sennott like carried that whole garbage pile of a show. Um, I really don't think there's any performance, any kind of character, any nuanced emotion that she is incapable of bringing on the screen yeah. and making her own. And so I hope she runs away. She's already kind of running away with the critic awards and everything but i hope she runs away with this yeah i mean like looking down this looking down this list like barring some sort of barbie wave sweeping up america ferrera which would not be the worst thing um i really think it is davine's to lose um i have always loved her from her role in the um remake of high fidelity with uh, zoe kravitz she plays the jack black character um and Love it. Just absolutely love it. I, I hope and think that this is just the beginning of things for Davine. Um, and, and that is a wonderful thing um, for a woman of her talent. Um, in Best Supporting Actor, we've got a very interesting crew. Sterling K. Brown for American Fiction. Robert De Niro for Killers of the Flower Moon. Robert Downey Jr. for Oppenheimer. Mark Ruffalo for Poor Things. And Ryan Gosling as Ken in Barbie. 
He's just Ken. He's just Ken. Um, I want to start with De Niro because I don't really know why he's here. I mean, he's I mean, he's honestly, good in the movie, but I'm like, he's not doing anything he hasn't done a trillion that, times. This is that legacy performance. Oh, yeah. And quite, quite, you know, we're not really doing omissions, so I'm just to say it here. He's he stole Charles Melton's nomination, and I don't think he stole it because he doesn't want he didn't want this nomination. If he'd wanted the nomination, he wouldn't have um, you know called out Trump in his Gotham yeah. speech. He's done everything to like not get nominated, and they still nominated him. So the Academy, yeah, messed up, and they should have had Charles Melton here. Charles Melton needed it for his career, like yeah. earned it, in my opinion. Robert De Niro does not give a shit. He doesn't care that he's nominated. He didn't want to get nominated. He doesn't act for awards. This is like one of those, we just need a legacy. I know his name. I'm going to put him on there. Kind of lazy voting yeah. that is annoying and is a barometer of how lazy voters are, not a barometer of what should be in the five. Yeah, I yeah he's, I mean, he's good in the movie, but that's just because he's good. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like he's. It, it's one of those, is it good? compared to everybody else yes is it good compared to what de niro can do no exactly one nomination that i was thrilled at on this morning was sterling k brown for american fiction because that was one that i did not see coming i loved him in the movie he's both hilarious and he'll break your heart and he'll like piss you off sometimes if you if you like him in this movie mm -hmm. dear listeners slash ryan although i think maybe you saw this movie um you should watch Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. He ha- gives a very similar sort of performance. Okay. A little more dramatic, but similarly comedic. It's a movie that kind of rides a crest of high comedy and then by the end is like kind of a tragedy. And um, it's, it's, he's so good in it. And and I almost wish, you know, it was a movie that like died on Peacock or something. Okay. And, but it had launched out of Sundance and then ended up on Peacock. And so nobody saw it and he didn't really get to be part of the conversation like he should have been regina hall gives in my opinion the best performance of 2022 in hunker jesus save your soul um great film glad he's showing up here because i think it will give him even more opportunity to do these kind of complex roles that he's good at he's all like he, he yeah he's like i mean yeah. he, he every time he's in something i'm i'm interested like he always makes everything so much better um easy biosphere i did That's a crazy movie. <laughs> yes um <laughs> And I mean, I, I'm sure they won't, but I, I really hope that they use the clip where he's talking about how he's taken a lover. Yeah, because that, that, that clip is really good. Yeah, yeah it's fantastic. Um, we, you know, yeah. So we, we, you know, here, here's Gosling as Ken. Um, I, you know, like I do, I like Gosling a lot. I like it when he doesn't take things seriously. Like that's what I think I like most about Gosling is he is not afraid to be goofy. He's not afraid to yeah. put sunglasses over sunglasses. He, yeah, he really does. Yeah. And I mean, he takes that shit seriously. Like he's not just out there running around and flailing. He's like, you know, like comedy is serious business to him. So I, I am definitely happy to see him here maybe not necessarily at the omission of some other things, but I'm, I'm happy to see him here. He's, you know, he's been nominated for a few different things. And I just, I'm, I'm, I think if there's, if one thing about Gosling is I'm just happy to see him doing different things, right? Like this is fellow Canadian. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, We'll throw a parade (laughs) for him too. Um, You know, it's like, this is the same guy who did like 
only God forgives, you know? And then I could not think of two very different movies more than Barbie and only God forgives. (laughs) Like Barbie and blue Valentine. Yeah. Yeah. Please do that double feature. (laughs) That's a great double feature. We should watch this hun. It's got Ken in it. Um, Mark Ruffalo for poor things. Okay. So here's where I test you because I know that you don't like poor things, but I know how much you love Mark Ruffalo. Did, did, was was there any any Mariah love for? No, I her? think he's good in this. I wouldn't put him as like the five best supporting performances. Okay. I think sometimes he goes too far. <laughs> this isn't faux dive; it's just a dive. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> the thing I do like about Ruffalo, and yep. it's similar to De Niro, is that he has this very big platform, and he always uses it to talk about important issues. He's one of the few filmmaker, film, few actors talking about Palestine. He is always talking about climate change. He used his whole summer to talk about, um, he was an EP on um, Lakota Nation versus United States and made mm. sure that people went and saw that movie, or at least tried to get people to go and see that movie, which is one of the best documentaries last year. Um, so just in terms of him getting nominated, it just gives him more outlets to talk about the things that are important. And I wish more actors would do that. Yeah. And so I'm glad he's at a place where he can do it and, he won't, you know, lose the opportunity to keep doing it. Yeah. Um, No, love him. Like love everything he does. I'm still hoping to find a gif of him yelling the C word in this movie, because that's just one of the funniest (laughs) things I've Tumblr. I'm sure it's on Tumblr. I'm I'm sure it's out there somewhere. I I just really, I'm not my, like I get to the end of the day and I'm Googled out. I Google for a living. (laughs) So (laughs) I get to the end of the day and I'm like, yeah, like, no. Can I Google Google and my my computer won't implode? Um, so that I'm, I'm looking for that. If anybody's got it, please send it my way because I, I really need to keep that in my in my in my album to throw at certain people in my life. No women. I would I would never album. ever call a woman that. I should like that is only something I would ever call a dude. And then of course we've got Robert Downey Jr. Um, who right now seems poised to win. Seems like the front runner. Yeah. Yeah, and this is I mean this is an interesting story because i mean people may see this as like the end of his marvel career and going into something else but those people probably forgot that when he got into the marvel career he was really persona non grata for a while because he was just so he went much prison. of a mess he, went to pri- he was an addict he went to prison he like wrecked cars mm-hmm. he, whole movies couldn't get like they almost couldn't when he was cast as Iron Man, they almost couldn't find uh, someone to, to, I think his wife had to figure out how to get the insurance Yeah, bond for him. Like he was a real mess Mm -hmm. liability and he's completely um, rehabilitated himself, his career, everything is, it's really, it's wonderful to see that it is possible with the right support. And I think a lot, he says this in every interview, like without Susan, there is no him without Susan. There's no Marvel without Susan. There's no Robert yeah. Jr. It's saying something for guidance because there was yeah. never ever like, even, even when he was at his most troubled, there was never a question of his talent. He was yeah. always like, he would show up on, you know, on stuff like Ally McBeal or he'd show up and, and do like Elton John videos. And he was always just so talented. You could hand him like a commercial and he'd nail it, but it's like, without a compass that all that talent is just going to be squandered. It's fascinating to see the three roles he's been nominated for. Like talk about, oh, they're so different. Kaplan, Tropic Thunder in this. It's like, yeah. what? 
So those are the supporting players in the lead for Actress. We have Annette Benning for Nyad, Lily Gladstone, Killers of the Flower Moon, Sandra Uller for Anatomy of a Fall, Carrie Mulligan for Maestro, and Emma Stone for Poor Things. I adore everything that Carrie Mulligan does. I don't entirely know why she's here because this movie <laughs> really didn't give her a whole lot to do. She's doing a lot of capital A acting. Fortunately, even capital A acting in Carrie Mulligan's hands has a lot more nuance to it than, mm-hmm. say, Emily Blunt. No offense, Emily Blunt. But it's still like she has done so many better performances and so many better films. She showed up on the scene um, with with so much talent baked in. Like, If you want to see how much talent she had early on, go back to the 2005 Pride and Prejudice and mm-hmm. and you know and watch her in that with all of this other great talent around her um still showing you what she's going to be capable of for the love of god go back to an education yeah which fun fact was the very first episode of this podcast yeah uh in 2009 and but i also like i'm you know like she's she's playing a, a latina yeah carrie well again is from england like she is not <laughs> latina so it's like yeah we're nominating brown face like yeah in the year 2024 <laughs> like what why I, I I don't I don't understand again. I mean, they don't put brown face on her. No, obviously. but I mean, she's. Well, you move past that, but she yeah. is a white woman playing a character that should not have been played by a white. Yeah, woman, so. no, I I don't I don't That's get a bit it. Frustrating. But, but there she is, um, Annette Benning as Nia in as well as Nyad in Nyad. Um, she 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 does a lot of interesting things in this movie. Like she's really asked to do all sort like she she is doing the prototypical uh biopic type of things but she's also um she's doing a lot of real determination real frustration real um just not what we're necessarily used to seeing Annette Benning do I like that she in this role and this is true to the life of of Nyad of Diana Nyad is um you said you're looking for the Mark Ruffalo saying the c word if like yes. she literally is not afraid to be a c word <laughs> no. to anybody including yes. Jodie Foster yes who and I think some of the best scenes are when she goes over the line and Foster's character is like what you know like this is a team sport and you are you are crossing the line yeah, yeah. and you can't do this without us and I think those moments land really well because it I think it would be a lot more treacly if she tried to soften the mm-hmm. character because that's mm-hmm. not who this that's not who this is and and it's true like you don't often see benning be that hard you know a weaker a weaker version of this movie is just the fifth swim so the fact yeah. that they include swims one to f- one to four in here and i mean even that they really go there during the fourth swim and show like how she was becoming this afterthought like she's doing a ted talk to a room that's maybe quarter full and i'm being generous you know like those kind of moments are what's really um quite interesting about this performance in this movie is all of that failure leading up to that kind of rocky type of moment rocky two type of moment because rocky loses in the first one yeah um sandra uller i'm so happy is here holy shit did she have an amazing year um she does so many complicated things in anatomy of a fall. She has been, she's another person who's been doing the work for so many years and doing so many good things. I can imagine you must have like a dozen different Sandra Uller yeah, stories. I love her and Tony Erdman and I think mm-hmm. everyone should watch Tony Erdman. Yes. <laughs> yeah. we, we, we brought up um, 
Justine Trier's previous film, Sybil, a couple times on this show. And I will always and forever adore Sandra Uhler for being a director in that movie who has to jump ship on her own film. I, I just, I hope this is like the beginning of more recognition for her because she's overdue. But I do hope that she doesn't do that whole move to Hollywood movies and make garbage films. That no, I don't, her. I don't I really see continues, that. Yeah. yeah. I hope she just continues to like do these great, yeah. nicely budgeted, yeah. intellectually stimulating yeah. European films. Do the French like, films. She, she, can the German, already, yeah. she can speak four languages. Yeah. She can work in all over Europe. It's great. Please do. Yeah. So then we have Emma Stone, who could be the spoiler in this um, yeah. little thing because I mean beca- because people really like Emma Stone because Emma Stone has been at it for quite some time because she's playing something very different and has a modicum of momentum going into Oscar night uh, you know if you don't like this movie there's no way you like this performance <laughs> no <laughs> no it's another one that I just uh, there's a lot of a lot that doesn't work for me in this mm-hmm. at all I, I think it's just one of those movies that has from its concept and i think truly all the way back to the book a fatal flaw that is never going to work for me so but i do acknowledge that this is a very uh physical performance Mm -hmm. beyond anything stone has done before i will fully acknowledge that oh yeah it's like i mean it's yeah it's it's great work by her but i mean if it's great work in something that you can't get behind then it's it's hard to really trumpet it i think we're gonna know in a few weeks what's gonna happen here um when sag uh chimes in like this 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 episode's gonna be going up before the sag awards so um you'll know like if sag goes to emma stone that's probably a pretty good indicator probably all all she wrote yeah exactly (laughs) however um you know the thing that everybody seems to be pulling for and it could happen knock wood uh, Lily Gladstone is here for Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, I I was happy as hell to see yeah. this I nomination. Think, I think she's the only thing that works in this movie, to be honest. Um, I, I think the movie doesn't work because it strays away from her. It should just be her. Yeah. Like it should be from her perspective. The whole thing should be her. You have her. You have she anyone who's seen certain women knows she's the best before the best performer who hasn't gotten a lead role yeah. <laughs> until this happened. Um today actually um Fancy Dance got acquired by Apple. I saw so that. Yeah. If you have Apple and you liked her in this, you should watch Fancy Dance. It's very good. It's kind of a noir and a f- brother like a sister's coming of age movie all in oh, one cool okay and it doesn't always the tonal shifts don't always work but like she's fantastic in it um uh, i really liked it i saw it at sundance last year and then um not to plug my own work but no plug you, please if plug you, your if own you work. love if you love if you love Lady gladstone and want to see more um the unknown country is on movie but if you buy the blu-ray there is a q a that i conducted with the writer and director at the chicago critics uh, film festival last spring and it's me doing the q a oh very nice there you go. Yeah, it's um, my first special feature on a that's amazing first credited special feature <laughs> on, a, on a blu-ray um, um yeah I, but mean, I think she's the best thing by far by yeah. by far by far and and yeah as i said like a lot of my a lot of my problems with the movie are 
that it puts Molly in the center of the story and then just decides to wander so far away from center for so long. Way too long. In Best Actor, we have Bradley Cooper for Maestro, Coleman Domingo in Rustin, Paul Giamatti in The Holdovers, Killian Murphy in Oppenheimer, and Jeffrey Wright in American Fiction. I mean, four mm-hmm. out of the five of these are That's absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's, it's a good yeah. see. It's it's, it's it's one it's one it's one away from being honestly, a great class. Usually, best actor is garbage, yeah. and they're all terrible. And yeah. for once, there's only one performer in here where I'm like, mm, this should not be here. Yeah, uh, we can uh, all guess who that is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I, I didn't for for how much work and attention and and money that Bradley Cooper was given to make Maestro. I'm still just so surprised that this is what they came back with and i mean i say that even as somebody who was on board with it during the first half like during the first half i was like oh look we're doing this okay this is cool and then we just like bail right out of that and go into a toothless prototypical biopic and bradley cooper is you know like there's nothing that that doesn't happen with him around which i mean is makes sense because it's called maestro but if you're gonna direct it and write it and star in it, maybe give somebody else something to do. This is literally the definition of a vanity project. Yeah. Like it just, and quite frankly, I'm never going to forgive Cooper for taking the life rights away so that um, Jake Gyllenhaal, who is actually a quite possibly closeted bisexual performer who is actually Jewish, never gets to make his movie, which may or may not have been plays plans as a coming out letter. Who knows? Um, that movie I ne- will never exist, and I guarantee you would have been ten times better than this movie because yeah. it actually came from a place of real understanding. Yeah, um, I mean, connection. Yeah, at, <laughs> I mean, at, at some stage or another in his career, Bradley Cooper is going to get an Oscar, but it's not—it's certainly not going to be for this. And I'm—I'm I'm a little bit upset that it even got as much love as it did it's, because it is not—it is not nearly this deserving. Um, <sighs> however, I somebody should. who is holy shit deserving. Coleman mm-hmm. Domingo in Rustin. Yes. Um, the first openly queer performer to be nominated for Best Actor in an openly queer role. Fantastic. You love to see it. We were talking. And also just the nicest guy. I believe that. Uh, I, I totally believe that. We, of course, were talking about Coleman Domingo a year or two ago when we talked about Zola and, yeah. and how awesome he is. Like So good in that. And is there he was anything really good? he cannot do? No, he was really good in Ma Rainey. I actually worked with him on a um, yes. somewhere on YouTube. Somewhere on YouTube, you can find um, a video I produced about the Great Migration. Okay, um, and he is the narrator. Oh wow, he's a really nice guy. He, I mean, and and he is like I I, I love him in I love him in the remake of Candyman. I love yeah. him in If Beale Street Could Talk. Yeah, he's so good. He and he's great in The Color Purple, also. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. He's. I mean, he, he had a great this, year. This man has range. He has mm-hmm. such range. And again, like I just hope this is. And he's. This is not. This is not an overnight story. Like he has been <laughs> doing it for like twenty years. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, love it. Absolutely love it. Hope this is like like the day he got his Oscar nomination. Like four projects got announced. You're like get the money yeah. on all those yes. projects. Get going. Yeah, I'm so happy <laughs> for him. He's it. so talented. He's so Looking like busy. I mean, and Rustin. Like I mean, Rustin's not doing anything really complicated, but it is it is very well done for what yeah, it sets out to do. Really great in it. He is. He yeah. is. There's, there's there's a lot of people in it doing a lot of cool things, including Davine Randolph Choi. Um, but yeah, he he is. He is very much 
um, one of the very best things of this movie that that could have just kind of got lost. So, yeah. all right, Netflix, like good work getting this one done. You you fail in everything else um, <laughs> except for Jodie Foster and Annette Bening. Um, Paul Giamatti is back uh, with the holdovers. He could win this i think it's i think it's his to win i think he's got that whole he was due he's done nothing but good work for freaking 20 years he wasn't even nominated i always think he was nominated for sideways and then it's always like pointed out no he didn't get nominated for sideways and you're like what yeah so it's got that whole like reunited with alexander Payne. this time he got the nomination like he's so beloved he's a very work a day type actor right like and, and i mean you go back in his career he shows up in a lot of stuff that okay, you forgot okay everybody go back and rewatch my best friend's wedding partially because it's fabulous and partially because yes please paul giamatti has one scene yeah i saw that movie i was 11 and i was like who is that and yeah so i was always like not necessarily i would say a fan but he was always someone who i was aware of because yeah. of that one scene in the hallway with julia roberts where you're like that man's winning an Oscar someday. I'm yeah. surprised it's taken 20, I guess, 27 years or whatever. But like, if you <laughs> just go back and watch that one scene and you're like, how did he bring that much uh, nuance to like what it was probably supposed to be a throwaway? Like I'm, he probably got paid scale for yeah, that yeah. two hours of work or something that, yeah. for that scene. It's yeah. It's, Great. it's wonderful. No he, small parts kind nope, of role. Nope, exactly. He, he, he's a pro. He shows up, he does what you, what you ask him to do. He does all kinds of things, you know, like he can play yeah. scary. How do you he do his eyes? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would love if he's holding a trophy at the end of the night, the other person who could very well be holding a trophy at the end of the night. And it would also not be the worst thing in the world is Killian Murphy for yeah, as, far, as far as my, mom's concerned <laughs> he should win because every time i talk to her on the phone she talks about how uh she read that um nolan made him lose a bunch of weight for oppenheimer, for oppenheimer and she's concerned for him so <laughs> how would we know like he's pretty tall and skinny to he, begin know, with how would we apparently, know? apparently he had to lose 20 pounds oh man he doesn't have 20 yeah. pounds to lose I know, he that's, why from? He looks slow. that's why he looks so gaunt oh my goodness poor killian murphy yeah. um and he he just wants to go back to ireland go back <laughs> to cork and like hang out and he's been forced to be on this campaign trail let him sleep i i you know he's so good in this he and is. it's shocking it's his first nomination yeah, because I mean, he's always he's always done these. He he's another person who's been in a ton. Um, he's he's a guy who's more than happy to take a supporting part. Um, yeah, he's like the heart and soul of Inception. Like Inception doesn't work if he oh, doesn't yeah. nail that final scene. Yeah, and um, he nails it. He does. Yeah. He does. It's 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 fabulous. He's a fabulous actor. Um, I think my introduction to him was twenty eight like days. That. Ah, 28 Days Later, of course, yeah. of course, of course. Days Days He's also very good in Breakfast at Pluto. Yes, he, he is. Got a Golden Globe nomination for yeah. that, if anyone yeah. hasn't seen that. Maybe. So, I mean, like, that that's the thing. It's like, if we throw Cooper out, there's none of the others, and we still have one to go. There's none of the other, uh, none solid. of the rest of these people that I would be unhappy taking the yeah. win. Um, you know, not the least of which, talk about somebody who's been at it for a long time, Jeffrey Wright. People thought he sh was going to get nominated for Basquiat, and he didn't. And that was that was also like thirty years ago. So. Yeah, um, this is his first nomination. It's like what? I I feel like if you play Monk wrong, this whole movie becomes goofy, or and or it becomes too self centered. Also, yeah. and he 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 brings a he keeps it from 
the balance from falling too deep into like navel gazy self-centered. Yeah. Woe is me kind of stuff. Yeah. Because I'm, I mean, Monk is very, Monk is a very self-centered. He is self-centered. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's like, you need to play it in a way where we don't hate him. Right. Like there's a lot of stuff going on around him that he tends to kind of court the chaos, but yeah, he, he finds this, this beautiful way to play it where he, any, I mean, he's playing off of so many other talented people that he just, he raises their game too. Uh, and they raise his game. It's a great performance. Again, I just find it so amusing that the, <laughs> the point of part of the point of the story is like, you know, that kind of film getting nominated for awards and mm-hmm. here we are. It's like, yeah. is the dog wagging the tail here or what? Quite possibly. <laughs> Entirely possible. But it, it has the, um, the minute it won the audience award at TIFF, which has been a barometer for at least nomination. Yeah. I gotta be, I gotta while. be honest. I thought that streak was over. I was like, all right, there we go. They're clanking one off the post. Uh, the, the, the streak is over. To the, yeah. And yet here it is. So good job. Um, there we go. That's a lot of acting nominees. Um, a lot of great performances, a few really crummy ones. Um, but, um, you know, a lot of movies that we're hearing the same titles over and over. So yeah, a lot of the nominee body just following familiarity with, with a lot of these groups and just kind of voting the ticket. Um, so it's, it's not, you know, we've got 20 blocks between the actors and I don't think there's much more than like 10 films here. So they really could have branched out a little bit further, especially in what was a really good year for film, but, um, some great performances, if nothing else. This definitely reminded me of, 2011 where although not oh, as yeah. bad in that 2011 was such a good year and the oscars you wouldn't know it from looking at the oscar nominations the one thing i will say about this is that i don't think this is the greatest uh example of how good a year 2023 was no but it's definitely not as skewed and awful as the 2021 nominations were compared to how good of a year that was true this is very true um, yeah yeah so there we go. Um, that is the acting nominations. We are going to take another quick break and we will be back to talk about picture and director right after this. We are back. She's Mariah E. Gates. I'm Ryan M. McNeil. We've been talking about the 96th Annual Academy Award nominations. Uh, We've got through writing. We've got through acting. Let us move to direction. Um, Five skilled storytellers. We have Justine Trier for Anatomy of a Fall. We have Martin Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon. We have Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer. Yorgos Lanthimos has returned for Poor Things. I guess the Oscar love affair continues. And Jonathan Glazier for the Zone of Interest. Glazier mm-hmm. getting the nomination here is some really amazing work by A24. Like this and yeah. this and the picture nomination, which we'll get to in a second. That's where you're like, okay, you guys really wanted to make sure this one got over the goal line and got 
all the right people to see it because I mean, this film it's a, it's a war film. It's a Holocaust film. And those two things can lend themselves really well to stuff like this. But I mean, so was son of Saul. I think, I think they did a really great job of, of talking about the craft that he used. The, yes. That story of how he filmed it like big brother style, where he just had cameras running and people came in and out. Like yep. that's the kind of thing that, you know, like the director's branch do these nominations. That's the kind of thing that like very process oriented directors are going to eat up. Mm-hmm. And, and then you have on top of that, the like visual unique visuals of this film. And then you have on top of that, the way that it's one story that you watch and one story that you hear. Yes. It's like every kind of filmmaker can be in awe of the vision and mm-hmm. how he accomplished it. Right. Um, I think of all of the nominees here, quite frankly, it's the one that I think is the most deserving just in yeah. terms of like truly unique vision, truly unique, innovative use of, of all of the facets of, of the art that is cinema. Um, I, it's not my you know, it's not my, one of my favorite films in the year. It didn't quite make my top 15, but in terms of like, is, is the directing like top? Yeah. Agree. And it, it won, I think he won director at Cannes. Mm. I think it was absolutely deserved. Yeah. Like, and, that, and that, it was crazy. Cause I didn't like birth. I think birth is the only <laughs> other glazer I've seen and I really didn't like it, but this one really worked for me. I have not seen the Scarlett Johansson one. I need to, that's the one everyone loves. They either love it or they hate it. And it's, <laughs> you know, it, I'm yeah. afraid. I don't want to, I don't want to, like, I didn't like poor things and everyone hates me and I'm being, like, harassed on Letterboxd. I had to turn comments off on Letterboxd. <laughs> I don't want that to happen with birth, or with uh, um, Under the Skin, so I just haven't watched it. Just, I, I, no, but I mean, they, they don't, they don't have that much in common. Like, it's, it's, it's much more birth, Under the Skin, and the Zone of Interest all really feel cut from the same cloth. Sexy Beast actually doesn't because it feels much more like a prototypical, uh, you know, low down gangster movie. Yeah. That that to me really, I'm like, oh, that was his first feature? Yeah, I, I totally see that. After that, yeah. he starts becoming really, really cerebral with his films. That's the thing. Like, I'm not surprised to see him here because this is absolutely deserving i'm just surprised to see him here. You know what yeah. I mean? That's, that's yeah. more the thing. I'm like, this is, this is, We've and talked kind about of on, experimental. Yeah, we've you know, talked about on, but every once in a while that'll come through. Like the three nominations, not 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 the English or um, the Elephant Man. I think the Elephant Man feels, even though it is a lot weirder than it looks, feels more like you can digest it as a quote unquote normal biopic. Yeah, but like David Lynch getting over Blue Velvet and Mulholland Drive is that same kind of yes um, experimental. Like no one could do this, but Lynch yes. nomination. And what's surprising me and i think this is kind of what you said is that like i could have imagined blazer back in the day it would have been like with lynch where he got that nomination and that's it yes yeah back or, or like day, spike jones gotten, uh yes. you know like they always exactly. had that one like, blazer blazer would have gotten in for that and only that yeah. in the past and so it's fascinating that he got that and everything else yeah it's so um you know makes I, me makes me think this class of uh the academy if david lynch ever made another movie might actually give him all the nominations yeah. at once. I don't know. It's possible. But I don't I don't know if he's ever going to make another movie. Um, Yorgos is here again. I'm sorry, I put that in the universe. He'll make another movie. <laughs> Yorgos is here again for Poor Things. The the love affair after the favorite continues. Um, I really liked The Lobster. And <laughs> I think the vision of The Lobster was really succinct and controlled. Poor Things, there is so much happening in this movie and very little of it actually says anything actually is like the fisheye is used haphazardly like there's a lot of haphazard 
quote unquote bold artistic choices, but it's like, it, it doesn't ever feel like it's in service of anything. It doesn't feel like it's in service of the world. It doesn't feel like it's in service of Bella's story. It just feels like he did it because it looked cool at the moment. And yeah. maybe that's the point. I don't know. But it, it of all his films, it's the one that I'm like, you did the most directing in terms of like big and splashy. But did you actually do anything that felt cohesive? I, I don't think so. It's, it's, almost like he, it's almost like he came away from the favorite and thought, I can go bigger. Without without actually Same. having any kind of cohesion, yeah. That's how I felt about um, last year, the Triangle of Sadness. A lot of that was the same thing. He bigger, but is it actually smarter? Is it actually better? Is it yeah. more incisive? No. I mean, the what's what's interesting about watching Yorgos's career is how he started with these small little European films with Dogtooth and Alps, and then he started making again these very cerebral North American movies like. Killing of a Sacred Deer and the yeah, Lobster. That one I think is way better. Yeah, and that it's one like, is so tight. It's so tightly directed. Yeah, and now we've gone like Gonzo Prestige. So I'm like, is this now going to be your jam? Are you going to be rocking fisheye cameras, steady cams, and you know, for, like, gilded gilded sets for for the rest of your career? I just don't think. Is there a lot of direct? Is there? Is it a lot of movie? Yes. Is it well done? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I think a lot of it got away from him. I don't think the performances are precise. I don't think the way the cinematography is used is precise. I don't think the editing is precise. I think it's a big mess. And I think the script is terrible. It's, I mean... The, <laughs> and I think the, the, that's, that's my take on this. I, I, and, and totally, I think the... But people had fun. Well, they and did, think, and I think... I the, think that's going a long way. And I will say I did have fun for quite a bit of it. Yeah. What we, not, I had fun watching, you know, bad movies all the time. <laughs> well, we have talked <laughs> about a lot over the course of this, uh, the run of our, our Oscar shows. And I mean, there, there's been change there because now it's, it's owned by a different company, is how good at this game box searchlight has been over time. And this is, this is the pony they were riding for, for this year was poor things. And, you know, I don't know who's running the show over there, but clearly they can still take a candidate and still get one film all the way. Yeah. And with with a lot, like, cause it got a lot of nominations below the line too. Cause I do think the one nomination that I think absolutely is deserved as the costume. Yes. Yep. I think those costumes are fantastic. They're, and I do think that they fit well with the journey that Bella goes on. It's the one do. time that I think that, that person actually like understood yeah. <laughs> the assignment. Um, then we get Justine Trier for anatomy of a fall. Um, I mean, this one was both surprising and not surprising um, because again, the movie is so very well directed. It's such a clear vision um, it's, it's, it's doing, it's doing a lot all at once. And I'm so happy to see her here. I think with Justine, this is the only one of her films I've seen, but I think she's a great acting director. I yes. don't necessarily think like if you've seen St. Omer, I don't think the courtroom aspects of the film are no anything interesting once you've seen what, uh, Alice Diopford did with St. Omer. But, um, I think she's a, superb acting director and and i uh, quite frankly think she got in here because of the performances she pulled out yes. of healer and out of swan and the kid the kid is so good yeah um and and also the 
the vision with the needle drop. Like <clears throat> that was clearly that was clearly her that came up with it, or at least okayed it. Yeah, like heard it and was like, "That's it." That's, that's and what I we think do. that that was something that it was such a like a it's like the rug that tied the film together. Yeah. To, in the parlance of our times. I will be um, I will be really, really interested to see where she goes. What you said from her other films, it, it sounds like she's really is a very actor. Well, what I, what I love about um, Sybil is Sybil is very lush. Like Sybil sometimes looks like it's a Bond film. Um, you know, and she's like, she's shooting in front of like active volcanoes. She's out on a boat in the lagoon. Um, it, it's, it's a really, really... Um, handsome film mm. that i mean just goes into some wild french melodrama so as far as a script is concerned it's not nearly as tight as this um but i mean i, I just i love that she's now been given a just a a brinks truck full of currency to go do whatever she wants to do with her career and i can't wait to see whatever she's going to do next um, you know. and she pissed off the French government, though, so we'll probably never see an international film nomination. Well, France has got its, its own problems, thing. and we'll come back to that in a little bit. <laughs> um, Martin Scorsese is back with Killers of the Flower Moon. I wish I loved this film. I wish I loved this film more. I, I really I, do. Quite, I do really love the opening and closing codas, which I think he filmed later. Mm. The the silent film setting up the Osage Nation story. Like I was like, is this whole movie a, a silent film? Like I was, I was in it if yeah. that was what it was going to be yeah. um and then i do think that the the metatextual layers of the radio play at the end and that's the part that kind of his mea culpa me. yeah. is, i think it's fascinating it is i, I don't think it works i don't think no. it does what he wants it to do no. but i think it's fascinating and playful and i wish the whole movie were that instead of waiting for it to be a, a coda at the end mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think there's a way i think the problem was he he figured that out way too late and quite frankly, I think if he hadn't, I think he figured out what he should have done with this film, like too far into production to make it what it should have been. Yeah. And that's unfortunate because I do think that opening and that closing make you see that he, he got there. He just got there too late. Unfortunately, now everyone just heaped overpraise on this instead yeah. of calling it a misfire, which is kind of what it is. Misfire with one really great performance. Yes. And that's probably what people are going to look back and 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 see um i've already seen it ranked really high on like uh rate ranking of his, no no it's I, I, people what people need to doing? people need to rewatch some of no. his films and, and there, come- it, but there is because he is he is like one of the last classical filmmakers of the old hollywood style there mm-hmm. is some really fine technical film oh yeah there is th- there is some absolutely incredible technique on the yeah. go, there's just a very flabby story in the middle that yeah. is, it's just it, it it's 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 work. far too bloated and loses focus. And you know, I've, I've and I don't say that in terms of length. Like I'm not afraid of a long movie. I'm not afraid of a long Scorsese movie. But this movie sags under the weight of itself and it loses yeah. its focus, which is a shame because there are so many like. Everything from the costuming to the to the photography to the editing to the score by Robbie Robertson. Like there's, I don't even think the editing is that great. I think the rhythm is off. It's great. It's great in pockets. Overall, yes, it loses sequences its, that are beautiful. But yeah. I think I think it's I think it's the rhythm is off. I think yeah. it gets repetitive in ways that it, yeah. it shouldn't be. Like I like that you said flabby. I think that is 
there's yeah. a tighter oh, yeah. movie to the, be made. Yes. And it's just, that's not the version we got. There is a two hour and 20 minute masterpiece of this film out there somewhere. And I don't say, again, I'm not afraid of a long movie. This movie needed another pass um, with somebody who, who was not afraid to kill some babies. And then we get Christopher Nolan and I, I would be stunned and shocked and flabbergasted if this is not the moment for Christopher Nolan. It really feels like a crowning achievement for it, him. It does. And I think that is actually my my happiest thing about all of this is, you know, there are the there are the film bro directors. And, you know, I'm looking at you, Denny Villeneuve. Nolan was one of those. Like, Nolan was a very film nerd, film bro director who, like, the, you know, people were clamoring for him to get Best Director nominations all the way back to Dark Knight, probably before yeah. that. And if it's, it's going to happen for Oppenheimer, I'm cool with that. Cool. This movie could have been so pretentious in a lot of other directors' hands. He really finds a way to cut down on the reverie you know like that, that, that's yeah. that's the thing I think, is like, I think it's a film that really understands that Oppenheimer isn't a great man he's a monster yes and it doesn't it doesn't necessarily come down hard like this is a monster which is right. why a lot of people think it doesn't think he's a monster but I don't know how you watch that movie and come away thinking yeah Oppenheimer great guy like this movie shows that monsters are complex there's a lot and that of there's no such thing as good. Just it's not black and white. Yeah, when there, someone's a monster. There's a lot of guilt in this movie. You know, there, there's a, a lot, there's a lot there's a lot of burden of responsibility in this movie, and I think that that's what makes it work. In in, in a lot of less capable hands, like I, you know, I don't really mean to drag the guy, but can you imagine Ron Howard's Oppenheimer? Those are the filmmakers that are up for best director, and then we get to best picture, where we have American Fiction, Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things, and The Zone of Interest, all movies that we've talked about in one category or another. Um, you know, in another parallel timeline, I could see Barbie winning this. So I will say, this is the first year ever that three films directed by women have been nominated for best picture in the same year yep that has never happened before nope. and i think that the fact that it's three very different films from three three very different kind of filmmakers yes. is really strong and i hope that it's not the last time this happens and quite frankly we should be at a point now where it's five and five yes. not in a quota kind of way no they, just, just if you are actually watching cinema you yes. know that at least five of the best films every year have been directed by women yes just period even quite frankly you could do all 10 but i will settle for five um, um and i think we're in, in, inching towards that with the way the voting body is going with what they're actually watching with who is getting a seat at the table to vote um and i think this is even if i don't love all these films i think that that is incredibly positive and that's that's what i'm going to take away from this year in terms of like a temperature check yeah um, yeah, I mean, great. And I mean, that's the thing is that, you know, if we if we fall back to director for a moment, you know, Greta not getting a nomination there, but Justine Trier getting a nomination there. On the one hand, it's like, well, great, you know, th th there's a woman in the class, but it's like, why is there still only just one? Yeah, I, there one year there was two, and it was it was strange. twenty. Yeah, it was twenty twenty when yeah. like nobody wanted to release their films, so it was yeah, this, all the smaller all the smaller companies that were like, yeah, we'll release our stuff. You know, yeah. they were the ones it's, that took it's advantage. Definitely, like the the problem. What you can see from this is that the general makeup of the academy has shifted. Oh yeah, 
in a way that there's room for three best pictures directed by women. The director's branch is still 75% men. And three very different stories too. Like it's not like it's not like we're seeing three different versions of how to make an American quilt. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, That's a great film. Though. It is. I know. I, 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 but I mean, I think that when, when, you know, when they think of a film directed by women, they think of stuff like the piano or they think, you know, they, they think very costumey period. They, they think of women talking is what they think of. Yeah. And, and I do not yeah. say any of those films in a pejorative because they are masterpieces. Go watch them. Um, but if you were to program a triple feature of past lives, anatomy of a fall and Barbie, they have not a damn thing in common. You know, no. like people will be like, what are, yeah, what are we doing here? It's what it should be. Exactly. And that's, and that's what mm-hmm. I love. You know, they're just, they're, they're just three stories. That happen also, to- you're mentioning this could be Nolan's year. This is the first time Christine Vachon and her producing partner, Pamela Koffler have been nominated for best picture. Oh, wow. Even though they have been producing, if you look at their uh, killer films output, the amount of like absolute masterpieces that have been produced by that too in the past 30 years is staggering. Um, um, and this is the first time they've been nominated. It's wild. She was, also did. They also did uh, May, December. They might have, they almost had two this year. It's wild. I mean, they did Boys Don't Cry, Far From Heaven, Hedwig, Velvet Goldmine. Like I'm not there, Carol. Like the wild um, thing is past lives, kids. past lives, zone of interest. Those are both A24. And we talked in the past about how A24 had kind of. <laughs> Usually only gets one. A20, well, one I mean, calendar. A24 kind of, you know, as, as great as they are with creating these films and letting these auteurs uh, make movies on a larger scale than they have been, they kind of you know, they, they took their win for moonlight and then they kind of went away for a while. They got like lapped by neon all of a sudden. And this year they're like, no, we're not, we're not content with what we've, what we've done in the past. We're going to come back and we're going to get storytellers like Celine song and like, um, Jonathan Glazier. Um, we're going to get them. We're going to get them nominations. So welcome back to the party. A 24. Um, yeah. In a, in a lesser year, Barbie could ride that, Argo wave into best picture, but I don't see that narrative unfolding. So sorry. Yeah. Um, American fiction being here uh, again is just kind of surprising. Like it, it, it seemed to have um, peaked right at the right time. Yeah, it definitely like, I think it's the film that um, hit kind of that comfort thanksgiving like it and the holdovers both yeah really benefited from like cozy watching stream watching my screeners yeah kind of voting yes um which is not at all a, a diss on either film no just, they, play, they films, play well on they a couch. play really well that way yeah. yeah yeah um which is good because i mean both movies include subtlety but they're just and they're, that's how most people are going to watch these movies oh yeah so oh. better play well on a couch yeah they, 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 yeah absolutely um yeah. So Anatomy of a Fall is here for Best Picture, even though it's not in Best International Film. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen that before. Because Justine Trier messed up uh, or uh, mess- irritated the French board, which is hilarious. It is. Um, I I think the closest you can see is the many times that Pedro Almodovar was nominated. Mm-hmm. 
um, either for director or pick or screenplay yeah. and the film without a best. Um, Cause very often Spain is like, no, you're too weird. Yeah. And they pick some other boring movie that gets nothing. And then Pedro swoops in with like three nominations yeah. for the other categories. And you're like, why don't you just, he's revered. Just go with his films. Yeah. Um, that's the closest I think that I can think of. It's fascinating when a, a country just really biffs it like that. Yeah. You know, okay, so we, you know, we've got the Maestro nomination in Best Picture. I, I, you know, like Netflix, Netflix, your check cleared. Congratulations. This is, this is just hot garbage. In, it's not just that it's hot garbage, but it's that it's hot garbage. And there were so many other great films that could have taken that ten spot. Um, Oppenheimer is here, of course. It seems to be right now the the front runner. Um, Poor things, which we know that Mariah does not care for. I think the thing with Oppenheimer that I love that it got all these nominations is that it's, it's both an art house kind of movie, but it's also like Barbie, this huge box office thing. And not to use my mom as a barometer, but my mom only watches like three movies a year. She's, she's kind of old at this point yeah, yeah. and she doesn't, can't really sit in theaters for very long. Cause she, you know, she's old, her body's like given out, whatever. She's not on death door or anything, but you know, yeah, yeah. The older you get, the yeah. harder it is to sit for two plus hours. She went to see Oppenheimer because she's of that baby boom age that like thought they were all going to die because of the, the bomb. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, she had, she felt like it was her duty to go see Oppenheimer. She loved it. Loved this movie. Literally the last, I guess, six months, every time I talked to her on the phone, eventually the conversation is 20 minutes of her talking about Oppenheimer. And I think a lot of people are similar to my mom with this kind of movie. This average people love this movie. And I think we always talk about the Oscar being out of touch with average moviegoers. I think for once we have a movie that both can be watched by average people, Mm -hmm. enjoyed by average people, and is elevated. Yes. I think that's I think that's There's, really good. That's a that's a wonderful thing. That really is. Like, you know, listen, in a perfect world, would I love to see Best Picture winner past lives? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> but there's gonna be a lot of people looking at that going, really? This? And you know what? That that's that's okay. Like there there is nothing wrong with a movie like this being lauded, like like crowd pleasing craft. Uh, you know, cere- not cerebral, but not too cerebral. Um, yeah. You know, like th- this is this is exactly the kind of movie I expect to win Best Picture in a good way. And I do think that it is much more um, probing in its politics than sure. it has been giving given credit for. I think it has to do it in a pretty nuanced way, but I don't, I don't think it's anti. Soviet propaganda. I don't think that it is pro-American propaganda. I I think there is it is such a critical film on everyone involved. It's it's critical of the Manhattan Project. It's critical of McCarthyism. It's critical of all of it. Yeah. And somehow managed to take all of those thorny pol- political um, threads and make it a movie that's digestible and entertaining. Like how he's able to do all of that is very, um, I think that's an accomplishment. Yeah. I really do. Elegant is the type of word I use to describe a movie like this, you know, in terms of everything that you just described and making it seem so natural, so simple, 
Um, you know, that, that's it, that takes a very deft hand. Um, and, and, you know, yeah, it's, 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 I will agree with everyone though, that the sex scenes are weird. Yeah. And that maybe he shouldn't have done that. (laughs) I don't think they work. I think it's the only stuff in the movie that doesn't really work. I see what he was trying to do, especially with the like interrogation room sex scene. I don't think it works. I don't. It's like there's a reason you haven't done them in your movies. It's kind (laughs) of outside your wheelhouse. Try again next time. Yeah, yeah. I just don't think that's his strong suit. Maybe he needed a co-director for those scenes. I don't know. It's the only thing for me that didn't work in the film. It's a really good class. Like I, I feel like the since we went to the expanded group, um, there's been a lot of years where it's very top heavy, and then it gets real muddy down at the bottom. I don't think like I, I don't think we have that this year. I think we've got you know varying degrees of good at the top, and then one little orphan stepchild at the end of the table. Um, yeah, I do think as much as I am not won over by Barbie killers and uh, Barbie killers would be a great movie. Barbie <laughs> killers and four things. I do see why people who do like them, like them. Yes. Yeah. No, I'll, t- so, I'll take that. Like I'll take somebody going into this and then going truly, and finding. Even, even though I have my issues with those three, truly the only movie on here that is a waste of everyone's time celluloid probably should be burned is maestro i just yeah. think which of course is the that one that's in that right whole, in front of everybody the only thing that works in that whole movie is the snoopy and like i hope snoopy got paid <laughs> like some money because he gave the best performance in the movie there we go that is the nominees we are going to take one more quick break and we'll come back with some trends some hopes and we'll close out the show right after this We are back. She's Mariah Gates. I'm Ryan McNeil. Um, we've been talking about the Oscar nominees. Um, this is the part of the show where we talk about just kind of some of the overall uh, trends and omissions and patterns that we happen to see. Um, you know, I, I, I guess we, we may as well get into the Barbie dilemma here, um, which I think we can all agree was kind of overblown. Um, what I think happened here is we talked earlier about how Warner really did not put any effort into um, Color Purple. And Mm -hmm. Warner does not have a great track record when it comes to getting their projects over the goal line. So Warner, my feeling is, because this has happened to them before, Warner went into award season and saw... The Margot Robbie acting nomination and the Greta Gerwig directing nomination as done deals and took their foot off the gas. And Mm -hmm. ultimately, in both cases, clanked it off the post. Getting America Ferreira, that that took a bit of effort. This was the kind of thing where I think they thought to themselves, that is not something that we need to press because everybody's already heard that to death Mm -hmm. since July. 
And because of that, they, they, they lost sight of the ball. Yeah, I think it's, it's partially that. And in director in particular, I think, as I, I mentioned earlier, the directing branch is still 75% men. And I truly think what happened, and this is me maybe generalizing about men, but I'm going to do it. Sure. And the track record of how director has gone hold water on yeah. this theory. I think what happened is say, say it's 400 people. This is just makes the math easy. 400 people, 75%. That's 300 men, a hundred women. So say the hundred women all both had Justine and Greta Gerwig. So at, you're starting with a hundred votes for both of them. Yeah. Right. And then you have the 400 men. Let's say maybe a hundred of them are like, I'm going to give, I'm going to vote for a woman, but they're like stick in the mud. One woman. Yeah. The odds that they felt that anatomy of a fall, like quote unquote, serious film deserved it better than Barbie a populist, you know, whatever. Movie about a toy. Uh, a comedy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Comedies are very, oh, yeah. Com- yeah. Comedy is right? easy, right? They, they're going to be, they're going to give their one slot yeah. to Justine. So now you have Greta with 100, Justine with 200, and all the men getting the rest of the votes. Yeah. I think that's what happened with the slots. And, and you can see it both in terms of how few women have ever gotten in period, mm-hmm. how it's almost always one woman. That yeah. one year with two is... That, shot, that, yeah. that whole year is an outlier. That whole year was crazy. And three, how few directors of comedies or musicals in the last 30 years, don't go back to like Vincente Minnelli, but like <laughs> the last 30 years, you know, you saw it with Moulin Rouge, you saw it with Baz Luhrmann last year, like how few comedy directors or musical directors, Barry's not necessarily musical, but it's definitely using, it has musical numbers and it's using musical motifs. Yeah. It's, they it's almost, very, they almost never get nominated. Yeah. And I think that though, both those things, this misogyny, anti-comedy bias, anti-musical bias all worked against the director nomination. I think that's what happened. And then Warner took their foot off the gas yeah. because they thought it was a lock. And it's like, but if they were looking at the kind of film they had, there's no way it's a lock. No. And I mean, and you know, you want to take a look at a studio that did not take their foot off the gas that was said, we are getting things done because that's what we do. You look over at Netflix and how they got both Carrie Mulligan and Annette Benning yeah. into best actress. Yeah. And it's like, one of those you could say probably would have been Margot Robbie in an alternate timeline. But yeah. one company decided we are going to make sure this happens. And another company thought, it's just going to happen. So we don't need to worry about that. Let's keep campaigning Ryan and America. Yeah. I think that's absolutely what happened. Yeah. Was there any, any like trends or anything that you noticed, any omissions that you noticed? uh, Well, obviously the Charles Milton May December of it all is just have your moments. Like we, we need to, we need to let Mariah. Okay. First of all, I have watched a hundred and like 37 episodes of Riverdale. I've pretty much (laughs) seen everything Charles Milton has ever done because I've also seen, um, Sun is also a star, and he has a, a, a from Rye Russo Young, female director, and he has a cameo in uh, Gio Coppola's uh, Mainstream. And he's a great actor. He's anyone who's watched Riverdale knows he was the best actor of the, the bunch. And he hilariously was a replacement for an actor who left to be on 13 Reasons Why, and so the character got recast. Huh. And then it was like an upgrade recasting. He's great. And especially in the last couple of seasons where everyone stopped watching, and then the show got really political and actually probably the best seasons of the whole show other than the first season and they gave him really complex things to do and so when may december was going to be at Cannes, and and robert uh daniels who was on the may december episode 
was at Cannes, I was like, the only thing I want to know is, was Charles Melton good? And he's like, you're going to love it. Yeah. And he, he's so good. He's the heart of that movie. And I don't care if you didn't like it. I don't care if um, you think the, the, the tone didn't work. I don't know how you watch that movie and not see that performance as one of the great performances of the year. Like, I just don't understand that. And I think part of what happened again with Netflix is I don't know why they campaigned that movie as a comedy even if it is a comedy, I don't think it is. It's not a comedy. Even if it is a comedy, no. That's no, like, we, we that's talked. We talked. A bad yeah. decision. We talked about this with Robert. This is a this is a melodrama. <sighs> it's a melodrama with some comedic elements yeah. in it because that's life. That's the biggest omission. I think people are going to look back decades from now and be like, "How did that? How did what? that all happen?" Yeah. Um, and then trends wise, I just this is like a sad trend in my opinion. But Bradley Cooper showing up in three different categories again is like he is not Warren Beatty. Okay. No. He is not. He is like the latter day Warren Beatty, apparently, in terms of the places the Academy keeps putting him in. And it's like, if I were Warren Beatty and I made Reds, and then I looked at all the dumb movies that Bradley Cooper has been nominated for, I would I would feel some type of way. Like he has Warren been, Beatty, actual artist. He has been nominated. He's forty nine years old, and he's been nominated twelve times in like seven categories or some crazy. This thing. is and it's like, yeah. This is, so it's it's it. it's wild because not to throw anybody under the bus, but there was a there was an Oscar blogger who was trying to peddle the narrative that Bradley Cooper is due and all right, listen, at a certain point, you just got to give him a trophy so we can get out of this. But- it feels like Kenneth would happened with Kenneth Branagh, same thing where early Kenneth Branagh good. And then Kenneth Branagh became Kenneth Branagh and like uh, terrible, but yeah. he kept getting nominations. And I feel like Bradley Cooper has like jumped the shark onto that same like path and it's annoying and yes you just need to give him one so he'll he'll, he'll stop but yeah. i don't think he'll stop i don't think he'll stop it. yeah no and and i mean you know like if we want this is the other thing that i wanted like i'm i'm, I'm actually i i really dislike any kind of narrative where such and such a person is due because anytime we get into that narrative you will ultimately reward them for the wrong thing and i sensible woman. i i, I cite oh, a yeah. sensible woman um, the Blind Side, King's Speech, uh, Crazy yeah. Heart. You always give an award to one of these actors and ultimately they come back like the next year and they're like, you should have given it to me for this. You know, yeah, and, and it just, yeah. Film. Bradley Cooper is due. I mean, he's been making good work depending on your your thought of this kind of stuff for 11 years. Okay, like we can really start the clock with Silver Linings Playbook, and that was only in 2013. So yeah. let's dial this down just a little bit that he's due. He's not out. Yeah, he's not Al Pacino. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he—he's not a guy. He's not like an he's actor. Not Beatty. No, no. You know, I don't, he needs to stop making movies and just act, and maybe he'll get there. Yes, but like he—he thinks he can do all of these things, and instead, everything instead of doing one thing well, he does several things not. He does several things competently. Exactly. And it's depressing. But maybe it fills him with joy as an artist. And I guess I don't want to say maybe. that. Maybe. So I just, so that yeah, that that that's my thing. <laughs> the other thing that the other thing that made me laugh is um, and we touched on it in the last section, the nation of France needs to be put on timeout. Yeah. Okay. So in case people don't understand how best international picture works, um, to prevent any one country from overrunning the category, um, and likewise its voters overrunning the category with wins every country chooses the film that they want to submit 
and then the nomination body watches everything and they whittle it down and whittle it down and eventually you're left with five films from five countries france in terms of choosing the movie that represents them french films are wonderful french films are absolutely remarkable they are some of the greatest films from film history but i would say i would say they were good i think the last 15 years of french film is terrible one five that's just me yes okay. there's a lot of terrible yes films. oh yeah, yeah they're, they're, they have like two good films a year and then like 25 to 50 terrible cool films. but you only need one that's my point here you only need one masterpiece to put into the category and they get those like they get their portrait of a lady on fire and they get their Titan, and they get their amelie's and they and like these kinds of movies and they don't and they're like it, yeah. no well, amelie amelie is a great we were looking for a, a whatever amelie was nominated for five oscars yes so that's the probably the closest but not international picture yeah yeah um Wild. Yeah, it, it's been a long, long time since France has won Best International Film. It will not happen this year, so the trend is going to continue. You know what's hilarious is I watched 35 of the Oscars submissions, okay. 35 different countries, yeah. and somehow I only saw three of the nominated films. <laughs> it's... um. I'm I'm behind <laughs> I, on international. All I've seen is the Society of the Snow... Um. Now, you know, zone, zone of interest. interest, and mm-hmm. I think that's it. I've, I think I've only seen the two. I'm, I'm I would have behind. had a totally different five of the ones I've seen. I think a lot of us would have, to be honest. It's wild. Um, it's but yeah. wild. It was a really good year for international film. I also had take umbrage with Italy. Um, not Italy. I take umbrage with the Academy. The Academy International Branch almost always, and I think pretty much always never nominates um, African films from Af- black African directors. Yeah, no, no. Right? This year they had several great ones they could have, and one of them um, didn't, I don't even think, I don't even know if it got shortlisted. I think it did. Mami Wada got shortlisted, I'm pretty sure. Mami Wada was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Very distinctly built on a specific cultural way of storytelling that really, I think, pushed the medium in a way it should, it should be pushed, right? That you don't really see in most um, markets. Instead, the Italian film, which I have not seen, is one of the ones I missed, it's coming out in a couple weeks, has a Black African story, but it's coming from a very old Italian white man. And it's like, I think they think that's diversity, and I'm glad that it will probably get people thinking about Africa, I guess, but it, it's not actually like inclusive to continually nominate the African stories made by white people Is it- and ignore the actual African story make storytellers. I think they do this every year. And in the last few years, they, they, they skipped Pamiwasa a couple years ago. It was, it's not a burial, it's a resurrection, which uh, there's no way you watch that and then see the films that got nominated and go like, this isn't the best of the group. Um, a few years before that, it was night of the Kings and, and I think part of it is those films are so distinctly rooted and in, in specific to the culture that they're coming from. Mm-hmm. And what often gets nominated in international feature are um, a cinematic language that is, even though the, the actual spoken language is, is always different, the cinematic language is very similar and very Western and very what we expect a movie to be. And those films that these filmmakers are making from multiple countries 
anyways, they come from a very different mode of storytelling. The, the visuals are different. The, the the way a story is structured is different. And I think it's so different that it never makes it to the top five. And I think that that is uh, garbage. Is it, it kind of <laughs> um, like and, the same way that, you know, we have Perfect Days in Best International Feature Film from Japan, but it's directed by Vin Vendors? Vin Vendors, yeah. It's... Uh, Okay. It's, it's like that. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's things like that, that are really odd and just kind of make me scratch. Oh, uh, Neptune Frost. Neptune Frost oh. was the film I was trying to remember from, from uh, Rwanda. Gotcha. And there's just these great, like that, the various countries throughout Africa are producing really unique, specific to their cultures, cinema that is pushing the language forward. That is in, including, um, old ways of telling stories, but, but ones that we're not used to from a Western perspective. Mm. And it's, it's really disappointing to see year after year after year, those films being like mommy Wada being shortlisted was like a miracle, yeah. but to see this Italian take on Africa get nominated over an actual African film, I think is just a black African film is just really, really disappointing. And it, it keeps happening. And yeah. It's, 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 it's one of those trends that it's like this, this needs to stop. It feels happening. like there's, you know, there, there's categories of the of the Oscar voting body that kind of need a bit of an overhaul, and it seems like international, they never can quite get it right. Um, you, do- you would think that that there are no countries outside of Europe. Oh yeah, looking at who gets nominated every year, it's yeah. Aside really aside from wild. the occasional like, you know them going for something like Japan or China or yeah. Korea. Um, you know, yeah. when, when you get to stuff like drive my car and, and parasite, like those, those kinds of films, but it's like the, that those are outliers compared to, yeah. compared to the norm. And there we go. That is it for episode 321 of the matinee cast. We'll find out in a few weeks how right or how wrong we were. Um, as always, I am so thank So, so, so thankful that Mariah was able to come by and join me. I'm thankful for her friendship. I'm thankful for all of the amazing movies. She has dropped into my lap and said, watch this. It's like one of the greatest gifts that I have got from doing this little dog and pony show of a podcast. You know, as long as I have. to send that back to you, that first year that you had me on the show, I, I lived in the back of my parents' house during the recession and I was in a terrible place. And you reaching out like made me feel like maybe I still had something I could do in life. Aww. And so, you know, I just think the same thing. Like I think you coming into my life at a time when I was in a really terrible place really helped me get back on track. And so I'm always entirely grateful. It for is that. it is my absolute yeah. honor. And uh, I th- thank you, thank you just for everything. It's, it's, I serious, mm-hmm. seriously, I don't know why you wasted I'm my time on now. <laughs> I know, me too. It started to a sob fest. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, come on back. Magic of the internet. Come on back on Monday, February 26th for episode 322. Maybe we'll talk about Lisa Frankenstein. I don't know. Should we talk about Lisa Frankenstein? I'm supposed to see that tomorrow. Okay, so I, so, yeah. so Mariah doesn't know. Yeah, Maybe we'll, we'll talk that. about that. We'll find out. Uh, we're going to yeah. talk about a movie. It's going to be on the 26th. It's episode 322. Come back and find out. Um, Mariah can be found all over the place. There is her Substack. Um, there will be a link in the show notes. Please read it, subscribe to it. Um, it's a wonderful piece of work. Uh, it has pointed me towards so many very cool movies um, that I might have otherwise passed over. Um, you can also find her at rogerebert.com, IndieWire, uh, doing some very cool spots on uh, film spotting where she and Michael Phillips get along so well. Um, do you have anything coming up that you want to plug? Uh, my 
female filmmakers in focus interview on Wednesday is with a Tunisian filmmaker. I'm not even going to try to say her name because I'm going to butcher it, but her film is called under the, um, under the fig trees. Okay. And it, it was one of those films that had like the longest tail. It premiered at Venice in 2021. It played at Cannes in 2022, TIFF at 2022, where I saw it. I saw it at Cannes. Um, it's this beautiful slice of life um, film with non, non-professional actors. They're not playing themselves, but they're playing kind of a similar version of themselves. It, it's one of those very subtle, nuanced films that the reason it took three years to finally get kind of a release was it. it's one of those nothing particularly crazy happened that day kind of movies, but about Tunisian fig farmers. And that's like, why, you know, why can't we have a hangout movie? That's that. Love so it. it's beautiful film. It's one of those ones that like, usually people get to see in a festival and you never, if you saw it at a festival, you were the only audience that got to see it. But thankfully um, it found a home finally. And I think uh, anyone who'll see it will be completely moved. In Canada, you can rent it on Google play, YouTube and Apple. Perfect. So that's my column. It's coming. It'll be two days after this cool. airs. And um, it's a great conversation and just a really interesting region of filmmakers coming out of, especially women coming out of these countries, trying to sort of change the narrative of what life is like there. And um, I, unfortunately, you know, the greater films people aren't really paying attention. Yeah. Like, this film, like no one saw it, but the critics that did see it all love it, and they've all been championing it. And, and it just, I think it will really touch your heart. Well, if you're, yeah, if you're listening to this episode yeah. after Valentine's Day, take a look in the show notes, and I will link uh, that conversation with the director. And um, if not, just kind of come on back, and I'll I'll link it then. But um, under the fig tree, um, if people want to follow you, where can they find you um, in the, in the various feeds? Um, pretty much everywhere. I'm still on Twitter slash X. I'm on Blue Sky. I just activated threads because apparently they have gifts on threads Ooh. and blue sky doesn't. And so I love gifts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> me too. Me too. obviously the, the sub stack, um, Instagram. Um, yeah. And everything is old, fl- old films old, old, flicker. Um, old flicker pretty much everywhere. And letterbox, obviously. Oh, yeah. Um, got a lot of, I'm trying more this year to write, like little mini reviews for everything I watch. So. Oh, nice. My yeah. site is the matinee.ca for more audio content. You can find back episodes there. You can also find them in the usual places, Apple, Google, Spotify, everything gives you handy ways to subscribe for free and get alerts when new episodes drop. I'm constantly putting my show in new places. So if there's a podcatcher or app of choice that you're using and my show's not there, let me know. I'll put it there. It's super simple feedback on any of the Oscar nominees we talked about today or maybe one of the ones we skipped, although I don't think there were many, uh, can be left in the comment section of the site. You can email me, ryan at the matinee.ca. On Twitter, I'm still there, matinee underscore CA. And there's always Facebook, facebook.com slash darkmatinee. Any final thoughts, Miss Gates? Uh, no, I feel like um, just keep watching movies. Make sure that you watch Beyond What's Oscar nominated. Yes. <laughs> Even in a good crop year of nominees, it's always like, a small slice of actually the great films of the year. My my credo lately has been go pla- go past the splash page. Go past yeah. what's suggested for you. Do a little yeah. bit of searching or or you know like look for some curation because what bubbles up to the top of what's offered to you is not it's not even always good, let alone yeah. 
something you'll enjoy. So yeah. do a little bit of digging. It's all there. It's 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 you know they don't they don't. I mean they do get rid of them, but um, it's it's just do a search. It's right there. It's okay. You know you can you can search a few letters, and, and it'll be okay. Um, for Mariah, I'm Ryan. We'll see you at Oscar night and at the matinee.